recorded music resolved itself into a fanfare of trumpets, followed by a mighty roll of drums. Startled, I turned to see Mr. Roberts, my youngest historian, standing on the half-landing, staggering slightly under the weight of a rolled carpet slung over one shoulder. My first horrified thought was that he was naked and I hadn't had my lunch yet. A second glance, however, revealed a very inadequately secured loincloth. I gave private thanks to the god of historians that gravity seemed to have taken the day off. A magnificent talk, obviously made of tin foil, hung across his chest, and a thick black wig swung around his face. "'Bloody hell,' said someone. "'Roberts is a eunuch.' "'No, I'm not,' he said crossly, in what he fondly imagined was a deep, resonantly impressive voice. He squeaked, "'I am Robertus.' body-servant of the Egyptian queen, great Cleopatra, come to pay her respects to mighty Caesar and entreat his favour by choosing the personnel for the upcoming Cleopatra assignment, of which, of course, we know absolutely nothing. He began precariously to make his way down the stairs towards a stunned Dr. Bairstow, or mighty Caesar, as he should probably be known for the purposes of this tale. He, Robertus, not mighty Caesar, obviously, was sweating profusely under the weight of the carpet hefted over his shoulder. I recognised it as the moth-eaten old thing from wardrobe. I shot an accusing glance at Mrs. Enderby, who refused to catch my eye. He so nearly made it. He was only two steps from safety when his legs buckled. He fell to his knees, clutching at his loincloth, whose fastenings had, as predicted, proved unequal to their task. The carpet slipped from his shoulder, hit the oak stairs with considerable impact, and fell down into the hall, unrolling as it went, to deposit Cleopatra, or Mr. Markham, as he's sometimes known, at the feet of mighty Caesar. I should state now, kids, don't try this at home, because it never happened. If you roll someone in a carpet, then thirty seconds later they're unconscious through lack of oxygen, or heat stroke, or whiffy on carpet-cleaning fluid fumes, Trust me, I'm an historian. I know that in the film, an immaculate Cleopatra lies appealingly on a priceless oriental rug, batting cold eyelashes before seducing the most powerful man in the known world, but our Mr. Markham, lying semi-conscious and drenched in sweat, hadn't quite pulled it off. You had to hand it to him, though. He'd made a real effort. All right, at some point his wig had come off and was now glued to his sweaty face like one of those creatures from Alien, but hairier. His historically inaccurate diaphanous trousers had come horribly adrift, giving anyone who cared to look a first-class view of his Homer Simpson underpants. But it was his bosoms that were the star of the show. God knew where he'd got the bra from, one of Nurse Hunter's presumably. I hoped she hadn't been wearing it at the time, although with Markham, you never knew. She wouldn't want it back anyway, covered as it now was in sequins and glitter and festooned with Christmas tinsel. He'd obviously taken time and trouble over the composition of his bosoms, discarding the traditional favourites of rugby socks, tissues or oranges in favour of two half-lemons, which, as he later unacceptably explained to an unmoved and unmoving Dr. Bairstow, were just brilliant for that authentic nipple look, sir. That, however, was for later. At the moment, he was lying in a less than alluring heap, purple-faced and gasping for breath, covered in an unbelievable amount of greyish carpet fluff, 
which had adhered itself to every available inch of sweaty naked skin and showed no signs of letting go. You want to look away, but you just can't do it. Even as I watched, one of his bosoms, obviously dislodged by the impact, fell from its holster and rolled gently across the floor until Dr. Bairstow stopped it with his foot. Silence fell. St. Mary's held its breath. Even Robertus seemed rooted to the spot. Mr. Markham, however, was made of stern stuff. He raised himself on one elbow, reached out a trembling hand, and exclaimed blearily, "'Will you look at that! Some plonker is standing on my bosom!' "'Yes,' said Dr. Bairstow icily. "'That would be me!' And even as retribution reached out for him, Markham had to have the last word. "'You're doing it beautifully, sir!' and wisely passed out. I think it must have been this unnerving manifestation of St Mary's.